Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show here on New Zealand Sports Radio. Yes, your weekly hour of or so of uh, rugby chat, talking about all the hot topics in rugby. And you might notice... I've got a Lions jersey on today, and that's because, yes, the Lions will be one of our hot topics um, today. But before we go through and uh, give you a quick rundown of what we're going to talk about, I'll introduce you to my guest. Yeah, I've got uh, Bauer back again. How are you doing, sir? Very well, thank you uh, to all our listeners. I uh, uh, hope you had a very Merry Christmas, uh, smashing New Year. Um, and a shout out, you know, thank you for tuning in, listening watching and uh, chewing on the fat with what we discuss on a weekly basis. Yeah, hot topic. Speaking of hot, it's it's pretty hot in my little <laughs> studio here, <laughs> about 32 degrees. So if you start seeing me dripping with sweat, just ignore it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so if, if, if he passes out, then we'll we'll just remove him from remove his screen from the screen. Don't worry, folks. Um, we we play, um, yes, the whole the whole kind of uh, host um, host or or, or, um, uh, or guest well guest welfare. Um, it's, it's, it's not highly agenda here on New Zealand Sport Radio. Um, <laughs> kind, of, kind of like concussion, you know, ACC. <laughs> so, um, um, so yes, all good. Um, the and you're right. Look, folks, one of the one of the fun things about live streaming and podcasting is that um, noise is is all important. Now, sorry, folks, for all the cars that drive past my my garage, but one of the things you'll you'll find is that some um, all podcasters and live streamers lock themselves in rooms. They can't put air conditioning on. They can't put any sort of heat fans on. Um, so during winter, they tend to be cold, and during summer, they tend to be hot uh, when they're doing these shows because it's all about the, the sound. One of the sayings on YouTube is people will not wa- people will not watch bad sound, um, but they will watch bad pictures. So there you go. Um, what are we going to be talking about? We're going to talk about the Lions Tour um, because uh, that's under threat as to whether it will go ahead next uh, this year. Sorry. Wow, it's 2021, folks. Uh, this year. Uh, to South Africa, uh, and a couple of op- options that have been thrown out there as uh, possible ones. Um, also, the various French teams uh, have come out, and uh, well, one team already has um, pulled out of Europe and said they're boycott. They won't be taking taking part in the rest of their Challenge Cup games. I think it is, um, but uh, other teams are, th- are are wanting to pull out or threatening to pull out around the Champions Cup as well. 
Um, the Western Force have signed a new CEO, so we'll uh, have a quick chat about that. And one of my thoughts uh, the other week and I, uh, was about some um, concussion uh, and the impact of that on New Zealand rugby due to the ACC. So we'll also have a chat about that one um, as well. Um, but uh, let's kick off then with just a quick one uh, and a congratulations to Tony Lewis, um, the um, ex Macos or Tasman Macos, uh, Macos uh, CEO. Uh, he now has a new role as the CEO of um, the Western Force. So um, congratulations, Tony. Uh, he's been good enough to come on the show, or come on the channel a couple of times. Um, and so we'll be, um, and I do have a recorded video with him reviewing it 2020 uh, that I have to publish. So I'll try and get that published ASAP. So um, sorry about that one. Um, yeah, look, Tony Lewis done a great job down at uh, Tasman Macos, hasn't he? He has, and uh, you know, lots of lots of experience and lots of, uh, I think, the right type of attitude. And Western Force have done really well to snare a man of his caliber, his skills, his uh, commercial nous, and I think he brings a very strong, uh, reinforcing a strong culture of performance. Um, and I think, yeah, Western Force, um, they should be very excited about this. And uh, also, it goes to show that you know that. Are being very uh, proactive and being progressive and um, hiring someone of uh, the magnitude of Tony, especially during you know this period where pandemic has sort of taken over most people's lives. So well done and congratulations to both Tony and the Western Force. Hopefully they don't do overly well on the field because I'd hate to see <laughs> eating into some of the New Zealand franchise success. But uh, boy, no, great signing, excellent work. I think it is, and it's a signing for the future, folks. It's not a sign. It's not going to make the Western Force good this year, um, but it's uh, he'll he'll put the building blocks in place off the pitch, uh, so that the coach and the players can produce it on the pitch. But that takes time, as we saw with the Macos. Uh, he was there for I think nine years from memory. Um, it could be seven years. Anyway, seven years in the end. Um, uh, but so yes, finishing it off with two titles. Um, but it did take five years of building to get to those two titles. So uh, you've. Um, uh, and obviously, we reached the final along the way there. Uh, but yes, yeah, so it'll, it'll take time to see the, his impact at the Western Force uh, on the pitch. Uh, but a good, well, a, a good sign of the Western Force, but also a good move for Tony uh, as he gets to move up the uh, upper level from uh, minor ten cup to a Super Rugby um, sort of uh, level. Uh, so yeah, good move for him and good move for the Western Force, as you say, um, as well. Um, where should we go next? Uh, let's, uh, as as concussion is one of your favourite things. Let's uh, again, so, uh, just, just we're not going to go into uh, massive depth with concussion. But one of the things that um, uh, that kind of was um, interesting to me, and I must admit, look, I'm new to New Zealand, relatively speaking, uh, and uh, not sure of how all of the legal stuff works. So um, after the show, uh, I think it was last week or, or, or whatever, I had a chat um with uh, it was with you at Bo, wasn't it about whether whether the ACC protects New Zealand rugby now the current legal position or or, or uh, pieces that are going on are between um are involving the uh, RFU for the English Rugby Union basically the WRU the Welsh Rugby Union and World Rugby now the reason it involves those three um is because Wales and England have the same legal setup Scotland even though it's the same country or well, definition is a country. Even <laughs> even if the same passport as Britain and it's part of Britain, they have a separate legal system. And hence, that would be a difference. Uh, uh, hence, that's why they're probably not involved. Ireland 
Um, obviously, it's a bit strange. You've got some Ulster under the British law, but then you've got the other three unions and um, the RFU under uh, Irish law. Um, so that explains why it's those three that have been chosen um, currently. Um, but Boa, one of the things that, 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 that uh, I think I that uh, I wondered about was, does the ACC uh, actually protect the New Zealand Rugby Union from being sued here in New Zealand by players? Yeah, to, to you know, that's certainly one way of looking at it because by and large, uh, if you if you look at the ACC Act, which was, I think, back in 2001, um, it's what you call a no-fault system. So it's, it's predominantly uh, kind of like the... Uh, Employment Relations Act we have here in New Zealand. Now, now guys, ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm not a lawyer. I'm just telling you simple layman stuff, which I have uh, researched over the years. So because of this whole no-fault no system, um, bringing a claim against a, uh, a sporting body or employer or, or whatever industry is is pretty much non-existent. That is the understanding I have of the ACC Act. So to, to, to a large degree, that is the case. Um, and without saying too much, because I'm, I'm currently with, with my, uh, involvement with safe tackle framework, uh, I am in discussions with ACC who talk to New Zealand rugby and they come up with the, uh, rugby safety program. So for example, uh, every season, all coaches and referees must undergo what they call, uh, ACC uh rugby smart program so if you if you don't uh, if you don't sit that particular course you're ineligible to coach as a registered participant i coach or referee uh to do with community rugby here in new zealand so um without sounding too abrasive about it yeah there's there's certainly a feeling of that get out of jail uh, sort of uh clause uh in there but I think it's really up to uh, all parties involved in this because uh, w one thing I see, especially at high performance level, is that players and coaches, players are coached to, to go into a tackle quite high. Uh, and that's actually one of the main reasons we're seeing a lot, a lot of these concussions. Um, no, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And so, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting point that, uh, that perhaps New Zealand rugby have the, Perhaps one of the safest, one of the might be the last last union standing um, financially, as all the others get sued um, and uh, have to be, make big payouts uh, for concussion. But yeah, New Zealand rugby is is in a, a, a fortunate position due to local law or, or national law that they're probably safe on the whole. Um, even though there are some situations where when they've got players over, when they've had players and looking after them overseas, they may be under a different jurisdiction. We'll have to wait for that to pan out. There was a really interesting podcast by Blood and Mud Rugby uh, looking at uh, where they talked to a um, guy who is a, a lawyer uh, about the legal side of, of it all. So I, I do encourage you to go and listen to their one um, for it's that. There are no uh, class action suits here in New Zealand, unlike what is going to happen in England with some of these ex-players. Uh, well, he, well, he, he, goes, he goes through and explains all that, that actually class action suits are only in the US. Um, so the, the the one in the UK and where a class action suit is an opt out process where you are considered to be in it whether you like it or not unless you unless you actually say you want to be out. Whereas it will be a group suit in the UK where you have to actively act um, opt in. So it's a very different setup. Um, but yes, you're right. There isn't. A, uh, but um, uh, so class action is the wrong term for for what's happening. 
But uh, yeah, so go and have a, list, a listen to that on um, Blood and Mud. Um, but as you say, you just said, they, they, yeah, there isn't that sort of concept here um, in New Zealand. Now, um, we'll move on from concussion, um, although I do have to question, does Stephen Harris have concussion? Um, looking at the hat he's wearing. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> Very good. Thank you, guys. And a happy new year as well, guys. So I'll just start the new year fresh with a new look. Stephen Harris. Yeah. Very, very stylistic, quite the fashionista. I love your hat, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you read the initials up top, TDM, the driving mall. <laughs> oh, we couldn't quite see that, but fantastic. Thank you for pointing that out. Oh, there we go. TDM, the driving mall on the, as, uh, as Mr. Harris has got his own little kind of, kind of uh, it's more a pie hat than a, than a bucket hat, but uh, <laughs> I think, but uh, yes, there we go. So for those of you who are listening to the podcast, you can, um, get a view of uh, Stephen's hat by uh, checking out the video on uh, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. I'm um, just search for New Zealand Sport Radio on there for those. Um, so uh, um, good uh, good evening, Stephen. That's <laughs> brilliant. I'm kind of losing it. And, and the fact you managed to get it on over your headphones is pretty impressive because I must, yeah, must admit the whole cans and hats just don't really kind of work properly. Um, so you, well, um, well done, sir. Well, it proves the point. My head's not as big as I actually thought it was, so that's that's got to be a good thing. <laughs> oh dear, very true. Um, so uh, Stephen, uh, the uh, the old Lions tour. Have you been uh, following what's been what's been going on there and the, the news this week? Yeah, a lot of a lot of talk, but it's um, it's not looking quite like likely. And of course, the news that's just come out of. Uh, Great Britain, what going going into lockdown until um, around about the, the middle of February? Well, that probably doesn't help if you know what I mean, guys. So, man, I, I, I guess at the moment we're really driven by what COVID is doing. Well, what COVID is doing, and also how governments react. Because uh, whilst I, one of the points for people in New Zealand here is to is to remember that so when other countries use the word lockdown, it doesn't necessarily mean that their experience that, that our version of lockdown is what they're doing. Um, so, for example, uh, schools were going to be open and now they're not going to be open um, under lockdown, which is all confusing people in the UK. Um, obviously, schools weren't here. And we also stopped all sport as well. But no, professional sport is apparently exempt. It's clearly is a, uh, is, is a requirement for running a country as far as the UK is concerned. And so <laughs> professional sports continues for some reason, um, obviously behind closed doors. Uh, but so, yeah, so so. Just because someone says lockdown, don't that doesn't necessarily mean it's the same uh, version um, that, that that we had. And I think every, every country is different uh, in, in in that kind of sense. But yes, that also South Africa obviously is where this new variant that is apparently seventy times or seventy percent more um, virulent or easier to catch than other ones. Um, so yes, the um, yeah, Jack Darby goes. Yeah, I just hope the lifestyle doesn't get postponed. Um, to clash with other internationals. Uh, look, it's one of these things, isn't it? Um, I can't see how you can postpone a, a Lions tour because if you do, you basically have to postpone it probably a year, at which point you're only a year out from Rugby World Cup um, and, uh, uh, and the disruption that would cause those teams, those countries before the Rugby World Cup um, would be massive. So, Boa, uh, surely it's got to be either go ahead or cancel. Like They can't be thinking of postponing, can they? Yeah, look, uh, my take on it is I'm taking a very grim view on it based on what, what's actually happening and given, you know, how this pandemic and this new strand or new variant of COVID is causing absolute havoc. I think it's just going to be an absolute write-off. The risk is just far too great. 
Um, you know, for example, the English cricket team, they're on tour in the subcontinent at the moment. And, you know, they've had a, a couple of players test positive. Um, and that's now jeopardizing the whole tour. So, um, given the numbers the tra of the traveling tour party with the Lions, um, all it's going to take is one, um, one positive test. And that's just going to throw the whole thing. So, I mean, really, is, is the risk uh, worth uh, taking? Because, you know, all that planning and all the, all the commercial aspects of it. And, of course, the public safety. Um, and, and I think rugby also needs to be responsible. Uh, you yeah. know, when, when, when so many other industries are, are, are making the sacrifice. So, I think uh, the way I see it, this tour, it's, it's, it's a write-off. Rugby being responsible, seriously, sir. Just having having seen how they how they crammed in, or how the RFU or or um, the Gallagher Premiership have crammed in as many as many games as they could, playing three three games a week. That's clearly not responsible. Um, so no, I, I look. It's uh, I, yeah. It's to me. I think that um, uh, that, that what they're going to be doing is is, is that uh, from the rugby point of view, they're going to be looking at. Push uh, uh, making this tour go ahead. Come on, mate. Um, the financial side of this, this is the biggest windfall uh, outside the World Cup for 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 the home unions and also for the um, uh, for, for South Africa. Uh, that they that yeah, I think every every effort will be made to try and make this go ahead. But I just how can you? They they have said, look, it's not worth doing unless thirty thousand fans can travel to South Africa <laughs> under the current situation. How that um, can happen, unless they manage to go out and buy thirty thousand uh, vaccinations for people, and that actually, as part as part of your Lions tour package, you get vaccinated. Um, I, I really can't see how this is going to go ahead. Yeah, Paul, you stole my thunder. I was about to say Lions tours are all about their supporters, isn't it? I mean to say that's that's when you when you think of a Lions tour, you immediately think of that big travelling support that they get. I know we, we we've seen we're seeing it in. English footballer, the football, the Gallagher Premiership, what these games, you know, football especially, and, and rugby and the Gallagher Premiership, all of those codes are built on having that great atmosphere. And, um, boy, I, I just wonder what it would be like without, without a, uh, you know, the, the travelling fans. It, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not so sure, guys. I, to be honest, I, I, don't th I don't think it's worth it. I don't think you get that full value. Out of a out of a traditional lines tour by not having that travelling support there. Yeah, and I now, think the box box would like it because they've been dodging every possible opportunity to play rugby. This is right up the alley. So box, uh, you have to be very careful what you wish for. Looks like you're just going to get it. Well, yes, with that, and then so so that, that, that I've seen three alternatives being uh, put out there um, for for the uh, for this to to still go ahead. One of them is for um, South Africa to tour the UK instead. And actually, the box go to the UK, play against Leinster, Exeter Chiefs, uh, etc., uh, and then play three three Test matches against the uh, British and Irish Lions. Also, perhaps play the British and Irish Lions play a game against Japan. So that the box Spring box also play a game against Japan in Brighton. I can't think why that location was chosen um, uh, in in the suggestion. But um, what do you think about that? About about the kind of reverse tour uh instead 
goes. I, I, I saw this suggestion. I think it was, uh, it was Alex Payne, the former um, news anchor for Sky News. I think it's quite interesting. Um, and the itinerary he had set out was to avoid the clashes with the Gala Premiership as well. So, I mean, it's it's great to see people are being um, proactive and being creative and thinking outside the box. Uh, but again, you know, you know, we're we're dealing with uh, rugby administrators, and also there's a lot of traditional thinking here. So um, I I would seriously cast my doubts whether the Springboks and uh, Saru would actually want to move the tour away, uh, because you know there's a small matter of uh, TV coffers, uh, gate takings. Um, oh, you know, there's this uh, the, the the TV coppers would be would be in the same time zone, so you'd still get your same TV rights. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, the gate takings and and uh, and, and the, some fans have also made point out that the whole that the that half of the joy of the Lions tour is actually visiting another country um, and not actually um, visiting um, another, uh, not actually having them at home. So one of their their um, uh, well, yeah, the, 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 so, so I think some of the fans are anti it, or not not well, not necessarily anti it, but yeah, don't uh, don't see attraction of it in the same way. As a tour overseas, but some um, yeah, Paul, uh, you have to understand with with uh, you know countries like South Africa and especially what's happening now with the pandemic, there are serious local political <coughs> ramifications and situations for government in power. So uh, I think all of that will override any potential tour. Um, so I think the, the the whole consideration of are we going to have sport, or are we going to have a tour of the magnitude of the Lions, uh, will will actually be dependent on how the government in South Africa makes a call on it. And um, I think the risk is just far too great. And um, I, I don't think they'll be risking losing power if they have a botched tour and this pandemic got, gets out of hand. It's not too far away, is it, guys? I mean, so I'm just looking at that itinerary myself. You know, that first uh, that first test would be July 2021. They're going into lockdown for about six weeks. What's going to happen after that? Man, it, it's just hard to know. There's so many variables here, guys. It, it's it's good. It's it's a great idea in theory, um, but yeah, it's it's just the unknown. So another another one that's being put out there uh, is for the Lions to tour France. Now France and um, uh, and or the top fourteen, the Pro fourteen, and uh, the uh, Gallagher Premiership are playing games in uh, across across uh, tournament games in the European Champions Cup and the well the Heineken European Champions Cup and uh, the European Challenge Cup. So um, surely there's a possibility there. What, what, what are your thoughts on the Lions touring France? How do you see that one, Stephen? Um, yeah, that'll that'll be an interesting one. We we, we know that um, French rugby is an is an interesting beast. Um, what what sort of teams are you putting together? Is, is it, are you going to put French selections up against the? Obviously, you'll have the the French team. You would you play three tests against the French and some French selections somewhere in between? Are players you know are the, are the owners going to be? Are they going to release players? You know, there's a, there's a lot of variables there. There is, but I think there's also an awful lot of money here involved. So the, I, I think that the, the French club sides could be. I mean, imagine the Lions having a warm-up game against Racing '92, um, with uh, um, Sanchez uh, being the uh, the fly half there, or uh, or down in uh, or against say Toulouse, 
for La Rochelle, where you've when Aaron Coon was at Aaron, La Rochelle recently, wasn't he? I can't remember who's quite then at the moment. But um, look, that that would uh, assuming you're allowed to open your stadium, that that would you definitely fill your stadium for that and make some good coins. So I think there's definitely a a financial way there that they could uh, persuade the, uh, the 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 French um, teams to um, to be doing that. Though. I was about to say, Paul. The one good thing or upside is that the, the French top fourteen seasons should be well and well and truly concluded by then. So that's an upside. <laughs> Are you sure? Because it goes it generally it goes well into June. Um, the um, so yes, it, it should be done by then, uh, as, as as you say. Or you could always play teams that aren't in the finals um, by that because they, they have they have three weekends of finals uh, at the end of their season. Um, the I was about to say, guys, I do know one place where they're playing rugby and getting crowds at the moment. No, 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 no. We'll get off that. Hold your horses. Hold your horses. One at a time. One at a time. What do you... <laughs> I, was, I was about to press the button, so thank you for bringing that up, Stephen Harris. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's it's third on the list, okay? We're getting, we're getting there. We're getting there. What's what's that other what's that other place? New Zealand and where? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but what are your thoughts about the, about the Lions playing France? Do you think it's a good idea? Well, I I mean financially it makes perfect sense because all the you know very wealthy billionaire uh, club owners uh, who base themselves in France, I think it's it's a no brainer from a commercial point of view. But um, you know, still part, certain parts of France, the pandemic is raging on. So I'm, I'm not so sure whether that's going to be medically and socially possible. Are you getting crowds in or crowds of that nature? Uh, so again, there's, there's, you know, more or less the same risk as trying to play the games in South Africa. So my opinion is no, I think it's, it's probably uh, a risk is just too great. And that leads us well, well no, no, before okay, before we go on there, I mean, the, the other point of it is also um, is that all England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, in theory, um, assuming the Six Nations happens, will have played France already. So then to do a combined team against France, uh, does it have the same appeal? Um, I'm not sure, but um, I do think that uh, that it would have been. Um, it, it is an interesting idea uh, touring France, definitely uh, for, 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 for. But. At the same time, you know, the, the Lions too is all about the best, the best of the best in the Northern Hemisphere coming and challenging the Southern Hemisphere. So I think let's let's not lose sight of that. And the whole idea of Lions going to France is not probably going to have the same impact as coming to either play the Box, the All Blacks or the Wallabies. Yeah. Um, and the, the other point, would actually, as if, if you look to my list, list there, and just underneath the uh, thing is the French teams boycott Europe. So um, we'll just touch on that one before we come over to the idea of, uh, of perhaps New Zealand or Australia hosting Lions Tour. But um, the uh, yeah, one of the French teams has, uh, has already has, has already pulled out of the European competition, citing basically COVID health rules in the UK not being strong enough. Um, the difference basically is that in the UK, uh, they're COVID testing five days before games, whereas in France, doing it three days before games. Um, and as France say, doing it three days um, before France is a total um, waste of um, uh, time. Um, the uh, we've just lost Stephen. Um, is, 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 is it, yeah. Whereas doing it three days, but well, I'm not sure it's still. I'm not sure it's that um, uh, that effective. 
but hey, they, they, they say it's more effective, obviously, and it clearly will be than, than five days. So the other French teams are also apparently French teams sat down around the, around the table with the Europe and the UK. The UK laughed at them um, when they said it had to be three days. Now they're saying, uh, look what you've learned, boys, um, as the uh, uh, as the mess that's now happening in the uh, the Gallagher Premiership, losing two games a week for the last two weeks. Um, yeah, relations at the moment looking a little bit strained, uh, and I think we need a bit more um, from them uh, in that one. Um, what about they? Okay, so then, boys, what do you think about uh, the Lions coming to New Zealand or Australia, um, either to play South Africa or to play the All Blacks? Uh, do, you, do you think the I mean the government's given exemption for tournaments like the Rugby World Women's Rugby World Cup, like the Women's Cricket World Cup? Could they give exemption for a Lions tour? Could we uh, uh, bring in a fleet of um, cruise ships into Auckland Harbour to act as a quarantine centre for thirty thousand travelling? Uh, 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 Lions fans, what do you think? Wow, um, I have to say more. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think that, but um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to respond about the traveling fans things because you know that's that's going to be a huge challenge logistically and have you know having gone through lockdowns and some of the sacrifices people in this country have made. So that I'm, I'm not even going to go down there, but what I what I do have to talk about and what I would love to see is the Lions playing a um, a two-test um, tour where they play the Wallabies once, the All Blacks once, and play um, all the um, local Super Rugby franchises. Um, I think that probably would be more attractive and you know, create create the same sort of hype, um, and it'll it'll be a worthy enough test. And it, you know, the Springboks would be very happy because they again like how they missed the Nations <laughs> this year. They'll, they'll probably give that a miss. Stephen, are you, are you willing to comment about the uh, about the, the the cruise ship quarantine of thirty thousand fans idea, or do you want to just 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 talk about the potential oh, I think thing you'll, side of it? You'll need a lot of you'll need a lot of booze <laughs> for starters. Um, <laughs> Because I don't know if there's a heck of a lot. I, I, the problem is they'll all get bored. I mean to say, that's what are we talking about? Three, three and a half weeks. Well, two, well, two, two weeks quarantining, and then yeah. and then you can travel freely around New Zealand. Oh, okay, that might have. Yeah, that, that's that's definitely got possibilities. But I see Jack Darby makes the point. It's it's once again still a huge risk that they could you know somebody could bring COVID back into the community. So there's that as well. Uh, Stephen's got a phrase. Look, I'm only joking with the with, with the idea of look if if um, they did bring um, uh, the, the 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 Lions tour to New Zealand, which I can't see happening. To be honest with you, fans would not be allowed into the country. Let's be honest. Um, the an exemption would be provided for the team and for its entourage um, of all the coaches and all that kind of stuff. Um, but but for fans, no, there wouldn't be a uh, an allowance for fans to come into the country. Um, yeah, it'll probably be a bit of an immigration nightmare as well because you you probably have a lot of people who uh, go AWOL as well, you know. So that's 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 something you need to consider. The um, well, I mean, I mean that's actually the the other way of doing it. How long does it take for a ship to get from the UK to New Zealand? The cruise itself, if you've left on a cruise ship, the cruise could be your two weeks quarantine. 
Look, I'm coming with all these fantastic ideas. No, sail through the Panama Canal. Um, Good thinking. <laughs> I did I there be a lot of upset boaties because if you recall during the lockdown, there were a lot of uh, boaties who, who went through a longer period um, offshore, uh, but they were denied entry into New Zealand. So I think. Paul, you make a you make a good point. It's a it's an isolation of sorts. Um, boy, you, you'd you'd feel for the crew that would be working on that ship uh, <laughs> with that many uh, line supporters. Um, oh boy, the mind boggles. But look, we've got all these cruise ships around the world that can't be being used much at the moment. Here's a use for them. But that's to me, it's it's a no brainer. It's a brilliant idea. I mean, I'll be honest. Um, they, so there's there's a whole bunch of, um, of crew, I mean, cruise ships have been, have been complaining that they can't come to New Zealand for a while. They're just like, look, you can do, but you have to stay here, basically, and not sell anywhere else. And I'm thinking, you know what? Why a, why a cruise ship doesn't set itself up as a as a 14-day quarantine thing, give you a quick sail around New Zealand? Okay, you can't get off, but you can go and see <laughs> all the sounds. You can go and see um, these things and go and see the rest of the country while, you're at, uh, while you have your 14 days. Rather than having to be sat in a hotel where you can't um, you can't see anything, so I don't, I don't, yeah. If 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 I would be a, if I was a cruise company, I'd be saying, look, hey, how about us as a quarantine place? Once every fourteen weeks, well, once every two weeks, we stop in at Auckland, pick up a crowd, and go around uh, go around the islands. But anyway, this is me just just throwing out business ideas, hey, for free, folks. So feel free to take them and run with them. It will certainly be an interesting experience because. I think it was about a week ago. I was watching this. Uh, it was a 2020 style, 60 minute style doco about the cruise ship industry. And boy, some of the stuff I saw on that, you 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 put a whole bunch of land supporters and all that beer. That's that's not going to be uh, a, a very good uh, combination. But hey, I'm I'm just putting that out there as well. For the um, hey yes, well there we go. Um, so a couple of ideas there, but yeah, look, yeah, the 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 Lions tour. Um, is looking very much um, uh, 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 unlikely. Um, the, 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 the let's be honest, uh, and in all honesty, I can't see uh, any other options really than it going ahead as it's planned. Um, and I can't see any other that that I can't see that the South Africa touring UK is perhaps the only one that is even vaguely feasible. Um, I would suggest. Uh, but I think everything else is pretty much um, off the cards, um, especially as South Africa have signed up for the Rainbow Cup, um, which sees South African, so South African Super Rugby franchises playing against the Pro 14 teams, which will involve travel backwards and forwards between Europe and Af South Africa. How that, how they plan for that to go ahead, kicking off um, in May, um, or it's April, uh, I think, which, which way around is it? Anyway, uh, but it's... Um, kicking off in April, then yeah, it's just um, yeah. I, I again, that's another thing I can't see happening uh, either. But uh, we will have to wait and see. Um, as Jack, uh, uh, sorry, as I think uh, Nocturnal um, writes for the point is that yeah, COVID is political, and various governments and organisations using it as a bargaining chip. That's not an area. That's not a, a, a rabbit hole we're going to go down and discuss. But you're quite right. Um, it's not just simple. Um, discussions around uh, what is uh, uh, sort of the best advice about what to do. Um, we've zoomed through the topics I had, guys. 
That was a bit quicker than I anticipated. Um, Stephen, do you want to just give us a quick um, story behind your hat and where you got it from, and where where people can purchase a TB um, a TBF <laughs> hat if they want to? Actually, the the, the the truth be known, it's actually a, a promotional hat. If I uh, if I turn it around, oh, uh, of course, <laughs> it's the old LMP bucket hat. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. We're open, we're open to um to to sponsorships. So if LMP would like to sponsor us, um, now that I'm in Waihi near Pyro, um, yeah. I can even pop around and um, take some photos with the bottle. Yeah. Yeah, great juxtaposition, and I think the whole LNP, the logos kind of you know complement each other. So yeah, that's that's great. It, it rolls right out of your tongue as well. So mm. hmm. the um cool. Um any other things that have been going on you think in the rugby world that uh, you'd like to discuss, Spell? Yeah, well, uh, a couple of weeks back we had the uh New Zealand uh, School Sevens, the uh, sorry, the World School Sevens, the Condor, the, the New Zealand Condors won that. I was uh, it was a great tournament. I think they beat the New Zealand Tongan uh, rep side. Some outstanding, uh, some outstanding rugby was on play, and uh, lots lots of talent. I think uh, New Zealand Sevens, uh, the Sevens program, and NZRFU uh, high performance being very proactive. In that manner, because keep in mind, most other countries don't have this luxury. Most other countries have actually disbanded their sevens programs. Uh, so NZR, especially focusing on the sevens, they are doing everything they can to get ready. And in the event uh, there is a um, Olympic Games, yeah, I think New Zealand will be uh, right in the box seat to take it out. So well done to everyone participating. A number of my good mates were uh, involved in coaching spread right across the teams uh some very high quality stuff so if any if any of you uh listeners and viewers out there did go and have a look uh, i'm sure you enjoyed and you know what i'm talking about the um and uh talking as as i've been having a quick chat about sponsorship in the uh the live chat there i should also point out folks that you can support new zealand sports radio by heading over to patreon.com forward slash NZ Sport Radio, um, or head over to New uh, NZSportRadio.com, um, and you can support the uh, channel through that. Um, Stephen, looks like you've been searching and tapping away on some stuff. What have you come across? Yeah, I just um, it, 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 quite an, an interesting, an interesting one, uh, a story that um, I just saw on um, on on stuff it was just about the um, the Mighty Team Cup ten years on from the Mighty Team Cup competition split. Um, basically, this this article that was uh, written by a gentleman by the name of um, Aaron uh, Goyley, who uh, writ, <clears throat> wrote this article oh, probably about a, a week or so so back, um, it just really outlines a, a little bit in and around the tournament how it's being played. Maybe you know, maybe if we should have one <clears throat> competition uh, competition proper because. In, in his opinion, if you looked at this competition, he actually thought the best team in the competition, and that was based on points, was probably Hawks Bay. So, yeah, it's 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 an interesting one to get your teeth into, maybe a little bit later down the track. But I, I just want to, after 10 years of this competition, I, I just want to get Boa's thoughts on it and, and what, what you actually think about this competition and where it should be going, Boa. Well, 
Well, as um, I've always maintained, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, trying to simplify the competition, taking it to the community, uh, moving away from these larger venues and making it more community-friendly, more family-friendly, and getting more players from within the catchment area playing the game, representing the province. So, uh, sadly, we are not seeing that because, you know, professionalization of the sport and professionalization of the game is starting to see that, you know, players get imported out of other provinces. Uh, what is the term they use? Draft picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I, I'd, I'd really like to see the, 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 the NPC or the minor 10 become more a semi-professional version of the sport. But somehow, mm-hmm. I, I don't think NZR want that. Uh, you know, primarily because there are large commercial concerns and running uh, a Mitre 10 campaign takes a lot of resource. It takes a lot of money. Uh, but I, I, I'd like to see uh, some of these games actually taken to smaller venues where there's more community access. Um, and, and also, if those venues are, you know, obviously they'll, they'll name it well ahead in the fixture card. Uh, I'd love to see more uh, local club representation in the team so that that will then bring some of the local fans. Mm. I, 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 like, I actually like the idea about taking the game to, to smaller venues. This is an interesting step that uh, came out of this article. <clears throat> in 10 years, there's been 280 crossover games and championship teams have won 82 of that those games. So it works out to just under 30% of those games have actually been won by championship teams. But I suppose we've also got to remember there are probably times where the premiership teams, where the premiership teams probably haven't had their All Blacks available. So there's probably a few little anomalies on the way. Also, you have got some uh, championship over the years. You've had championship teams that have had a good number of super rugby players without sort of uh, losing All Blacks to, well, losing fringe All Blacks to All Black, greater All Black squads, etc., etc. So teams like that, teams like Hawks Bay have done relatively well. We've seen teams like uh, um, Bay of Plenty do reasonably well. And even the likes of Tasman, when they were down in the championship division, they, they transitioned rather well into the premiership because they actually had a, a decent, decent sort of squad. I personally, I like the two-tier idea because it does keep a keep a lot of interest for all the supporters my only fear if you went to one competition you know can you imagine the 13th team playing the 12th place team that's pretty much out of the competition even if you look at the at, at the at the championship in recent years you know there's been teams that have been sitting outside the top four that going into the last round have still been a chance to make the uh, to make the semi-final side. I quite like it. Although, on saying that, if you look at the other end of the, the scale, you know there were teams that were already doomed. I think this year we saw a couple of anomalies in the in the uh, Premiership division where you had the likes of North Harbour on the basis of a of a loss on the very last day or loss or win saw them in the semi-finals and a loss saw them drop down to the championship. So it was a good competition. It was a really good competition, but, you know, sometimes results like that are few and far between. Yeah, look, they say just keep you involved. I think just to go back to to, to Bo's point about the semi or semi um, professional thing, I mean, it it is semi professional at the moment. You do have uh, a lot of players are uh, aren't full time. Um, And actually, New Zealand rugby is trying to push it to be an amateur competition. 
they want it to downgrade it. I think the provinces are pushing back, saying no, they don't want that. They want to keep it as a uh, as, as as it is now. So uh, yeah, and no, I think New Zealand rugby is starting to see it as an expense that they can't really afford. Um, and I think we're going to see more push from them to make it more amateur. Um, I personally like the way it is at the moment, with where you actually get to see you get there is opportunities occasionally see players like Sam Kane turning out for um, Bay of Plenty. Is it does it happen on a regular basis? No, um, but. Um, uh, if you had them up against pure amateurs, then I think you've got player welfare issues. Yeah, and uh, what, one thing I would suggest is, um, you know, the the, the, the two tier system must must stay. That I'm, I'm a huge huge fan of that. Uh, one thing NZR can look at doing is get a little bit creative on how to make the competition a little bit more even. So let's say if you're playing a, a top four side from champion uh, from the Premiership against some of the lower sides in the championship. Maybe they look at capping um, representative or super rugby contracted players uh, against some of the lower teams. Uh, just just for the sake of, you know, keeping the competition um, more open and more competitive because otherwise, with, with the injection of professionalization, what we're going to see is the haves versus the have-nots and the statistics clearly backed it up the last 10 years. Over 30% of the games have been won by the top sides from the championship. So I think there needs to be a little bit of simple creativity. Uh, and by doing that, by you know keeping the competition competitive, I think we're going to see far more communal engagement and more punters coming to watch these games, purely because we are going to see a lot closer games. I think I, one of the problems that we have, and you say about, about people turning up to games, is that if you talk to anybody, if you talk to people in, in, in power, they've they got a lot of things are, oh, if we were winning, we'd get more people turning up. But at the end of the day, only one team can be the winning team. And you've got, you've got to base your, your crowd numbers off something else other than winning. Uh, and that's got to be connection with the community. Uh, now, whether that's through um, local players or through smaller grounds or however you do it, that's really how it's got to be done, I think. Paul, Paul I'm, I'm with the conclusion that, um, that I don't think some unions do enough work <clears throat> to get that sort of engagement, to get the people coming along to the game. I mean, so I think here in Auckland, there's a wonderful opportunity to go to a Waitakere Stadium or a Western Springs, try and involve your clubs, get get three or four of your clubs involved. I know there's a lot of uh, tick boxes in and around sort of catering and contractual catering and, and, and sponsors and, and whatnot, but I think you've just got to work that a little bit harder. You're seeing a great push up in Northland with, with Cam Bell and the Northland Union, he does, you know, Cam does not go to sleep at the wheel. He's basically working, working. Um, uh, the Northland Union have just signed a, 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 an agreement with uh, North Tech, which is a um, which is a, a, a facility, education facility up in, in, in Whangarei, which means they can ensure that a lot of promising places, uh, players can, you know, get, get education up up north, and I just think some of the unions have just got to try that little bit harder to, to get that engagement. My issue, if the game goes amateur, boy, you've just opened you've just opened the back door to the burglar, which is the NRL, and basically said, "Man, guys, go in and help yourself, because all your promising young rugby players will be playing over in the NRL." Um, am I missing something here, New Zealand Rugby Union? If you want to go the amateur way, that's the door you're opening. Or leaving open, leaving open, open. Beg your pardon. 
Yeah, and it's a problem that they've. I, mean, I remember listening to an interview with um, uh, Leon Ape, uh, who said, "Yeah, I mean, he, he was a rugby player, um, then got an opportunity to be uh, coming out of school. He could either go professional and play with uh, the Warriors, or he could get a well, basically an academy contract, or basically essentially stay uh, amateur, um, not really getting paid, um, and play rugby union. It, it was a no-brainer. Off he goes to the NRL because he gets, he's getting paid." Um, not because he necessarily wanted to go that route, but because financially that was the only way to go. And so, yeah, you're right, Stephen. I think you would lose a lot of players to the NRL um, from from that. Yeah. Um, well, it's 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 happening anyway. It's happening quite a bit. The in in uh, in the live chat, some discussion there about saying, yeah, play more provincial rugby and less internationals. Um, yeah. That's that's not the way New Zealand rugby is going. They're looking at 15 games this this year, um, up from the normal 14, um, which is uh, which is more than the average 11 that the uh, Northern Hemisphere teams play already. So no, the All Blacks are looking at pushing to have as many as many Test matches as they can fit it. Or the New Zealand rugby is anyway. Um, so yeah, don't that's um, that's a total non-starter um, there. I'm afraid. Um, have uh, so yeah yeah I, I say I, I like the two tier system. Um, it you got to look at how teams like Southland have gone for and Northland for that matter have both gone on on two year losing streaks uh, in the championship. Um, you just make that worse putting them in in a, in a, in a complete competition. I think um, yeah I, I think I, I don't think having one competition is is the right way to go. But there does need to be more work done on education the public as to what the structure is. I think that's where the problem lies. Um, yep. really. I, I know that, um, I know to give you an example, the, the Blues are, are working really hard with the, with the three unions. I know uh, Brad Tahara, who's the uh, high performance manager for Northern Rugby Union. He's also going to be a conduit to the Blues as well, in the same way that Daniel Bowden is for Auckland, which is, which is just music to my ears because it means they can basically these guys who the HP can look at the kettle which they've got and farm them farm them out to a, a North Harbour or a, or a Northland so they actually stay in the franchise stay in those three unions together it's music to my ears it's taken so long to happen this is the sort of stuff that should have really happened when this union first came to be I mean to say the number of players and Boa will agree with me that um, that have been lost or not seen in Auckland, ended up playing for the Chiefs, the Highlanders, Hurricanes, etc., etc. Well, now here's an opportunity to have a young, promising player and say, hey, listen, um, I'll use an example. Somebody like Hamden Tui Poloto, younger brother of uh, of Patrick, outstanding talent. But Auckland's got, as we know, they've got some pretty useful props at the moment. And I'd say probably Auckland in their pecking order They'll probably see him as a starting prop maybe in about 2023. Tell you what, why not give him a couple of years running around for, for Northland just to just to further improve his game on the proviso when he's the finished article, we Auckland get him back playing for Auckland. Does that make a bit of sense, guys? Yeah, totally, totally. I think with the uh, Super Rugby franchises, they're, they're, you know, it's it's... The Blues example is a is a very good one, and I think it's it's a very proactive start. Even though it's a bit later in the play, that uh, the Blues are in regular conversations 
with the Northland um, counties, Manukau, and um, Auckland High Performance Managers. And they, in turn, then talk to the directors of rugby with the local clubs. And, you know, that's the area which, or that that is the model which needs to be mirrored right around the country with all the five Super Rugby franchises. But because the more that happens, it's, you know, you're going to get access to players who you never knew existed and the talent identifications gets intensified. And, and of course, the coaches, administrators, players, and also the fans, they understand that there is this program and the chances of these players or the talent staying within that catchment area just multiplies, uh, you know, tenfold. Uh, one of the biggest problems over the last two to three years, uh, you know, with my involvement in club rugby is most of some of these very talented players, first given instance, they leave the province because there are uh, uh, a lot of talent scouting, obviously, from provinces outside and the financial lures. The, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, and we've got to say that some uh, unions are uh, more cash-strapped than others, uh, and yeah, there is definitely financial laws available. At some unions that aren't others that uh, some yeah. some unions are poorer um, and uh, need to do some better work really on their finances. To be blunt, uh, yeah. and um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Paul, I think we can see it. You know. You know, I hate to use examples, but, you know, the likes of counties Monaco, I know financially they were struggling. And uh, and also the Manawatu Turbos. And unfortunately, it it, it absolutely shows, shows in, in, in their results. They've got, you know, to lose somebody like Otere Black this year to a, to a union who's, who's obviously well organised in, in, in Bay of Plenty. You, you, can't, you can't take anything away from what they're doing. They're seeing the bigger picture. I do wonder... Before we go, and here's—I don't know whether this is a holistic question. If the rugby union is not in, is if they look upon the Maritim and Cup as a, as a real financial problem for them, is it maybe maybe some other organisation takes over the the Maritim Cup? Um, somebody other than the New Zealand Rugby Rugby Football Union, maybe the maybe the Maritim Cup unions uh, form their own organisation. Um, potentially, I mean that's how you you see things placed at the team uh, competitions like the Gallagher Premiership um, have their own uh, co- uh, organisation. They're not run by the RFU. They have agreements with the RFU, but they run their own competition their way. Uh, so you, yeah, we could see that. Uh, the, I guess the, the the problem is that um, the uh, is is got to be um, is then that uh, how much of uh, how, how much money would they get from um, the uh, New Zealand Rugby? Obviously, that currently they, they they provide money to the front to, to the provinces. Uh, they uh, also they pay the wages of the Super Rugby players. Um, so, would they get released uh, basically uh, um, for free to these sort of things? So, those 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 pieces would have to be um, agreed. And you could say, look, that actually um, the provinces could demand money from the, the New Zealand rugby for developing these players for them, mm-hmm. um, which is basically how uh, New Zealand, how, how the uh, Gallagher Premiership um, kind of um, uh, kind of works. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe maybe it is time for um, the provinces to have control of this because it's, it's clearly not a primary concern um, or a primary focus for New Zealand rugby um, to promote 
Minor 10 Cup or, or the Farrah Palmer Cup for that matter. Um, maybe it is time for someone like Tony Littlefleet, uh, the, the sort of uh, the more progressive um, CEOs, people like Tony Lewis, uh, who has left now the Tasman, um, or Mike Rogers at Bay of Plenty, who we've talked about uh, giving those guys um, more control of the competition, saying, hey, guys, look, you've turned your provinces around. What could you do with the actual national competition? That would be interesting to see. Well, I think pri private equity and professional uh, event managers and promoters. Uh, I'll give you a really good example. The NRL nines, the Auckland nines, and also the Gold Coast tens, which was the preview a uh, couple of seasons ago to the Super Rugby, uh, was handled and promoted by Duco Events. Now, Duco Events are the current promoter of Joseph Parker. And, you know, they had a very successful run in it because that's what they do. They, they are professionals at putting together events. So maybe that's that's an avenue. Now, of course, that, that was just a weekend of rugby, a festival of rugby. How feasible and how practical it is for an ongoing season, that remains to be seen. But again, um, looking at options you know, outside the traditional box will probably give some uh, interesting answers. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the things to keep an eye on is the World Tens series that's um, being put together. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I've got the right name. Um, they had a they had a uh, their, their their first tournament in uh, the Caribbean. Um, that uh, that um, from what I've heard, all the players enjoyed uh, being part of. Um, I don't know how successful um, it was um, cash wise for the promoters. Um, but I uh, think they're taking a long-term view of it. Um, get some advice off Peter Philandes for the domestic competition. Get get, get in an NRL lead uh, guy to uh, come and run the minor ten. That'll be an interesting one um, for certain. Um, uh, thank you guys. Um, it's been a pleasure. Um, as always, any, any any sort of final points before I wrap things up? No, no, not not at all, Paul. I hope everybody uh, survived the uh, survived the festive season and. Uh, came out the other side, all good. And, uh, you know, with what's happening around the world with regards to COVID, boy, it just makes you so thankful where we are at the moment. And, and even and even more so, Paul, we still get to talk about um, the game we, we, we love the most. And, uh, man, that's super rugby season. What are we talking here? We're only uh, talking about eight weeks away, aren't we? Yep. Uh, well, seven weeks from the uh, Super Rugby AU or Super Rugby Gold. Um, and... Uh, eight weeks from uh, Super Rugby Altera. So, yes, um, it's, it's not that far away. Excuse that noise in the background. This is West Auckland, where somebody thinks it's a good idea to have their speakers on the outside of a car as opposed to inside. The, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's cultural, Stephen. Um, the <laughs> Gents, one, one, one incident, uh, especially, uh, this one's uh, for the uh, viewers. I don't know if any uh, gentlemen watched uh, any of the Gala Premiership from last week. I think it was Gloucester and Sale Sharks. Very interesting game. Uh, yes. Of course, behind closed doors, right at the end, uh, Billy Twelve Crease um, tries to grab the ball off the the water boy, who was obviously trying to you know hang on to the ball because that would have then uh, prevented a quick throw. It causes a causes an all in brawl, and um, I, I have to say, um, you know, as a coach, I should be advocating this sort of thing. But uh, it was uh, it was a a, a breath refreshing. Yeah, because you know, rugby in that part of the world this time of the year is very boring. 
and um, I have to say, all of a sudden, I woke up from watching the game, <laughs> and um, I started paying attention. And unfortunately, it was the 80th minute. Uh, and even despite having no crowds, no pressure on the referees and the TMOs, the blundering just continues on and on and on. Social and there's a couple of uh, couple of uh, shoulder charges. In fact, the referee uh, completely missed it. The TMO missed it. And the fast continued. The player had to go off for an HIA. Um, and now, due to you know um, heavy social media and media pressure, they've decided to have a citation inquiry. So I'll be very interested to see what comes out of that. There you go. I had to have a crack at the referees. <laughs> he got it in there just at the end, folks. Thank you very much, Bella. Thank you very much, Stephen. It's been a pleasure. Um, as absolutely always, we will be back next Tuesday with the Driving Mall Show. An interesting comment in the chat there um, from Batman saying that some sevens is broken. Um, we need a restart. Um, maybe we'll have a chat about how can we structure sevens to make it actually sustainable? Because at the moment, I don't say uh, yet. Clearly, it is not a sustainable product, uh, but it is a wonderful one to, uh, to go watch. So um, perhaps we'll have a chat about that next week how to make sevens a sustainable um, product. Uh, and uh, thank you, guys. Have a wonderful week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.